Good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Kick and Show, the official podcast of Kicking the Tires. I am your show's host, Jerry Jordan. We've got Seth Eggert, Zach Catanzaretti, Justin Schuler as our co-host tonight, and a special guest, former NASCAR driver turned team owner extraordinaire, Matt Tift. Thank you for coming on the show tonight. We really appreciate having you here. Absolutely. I, I appreciate that. I uh, You mentioned team owner. I got this business suit and everything. So I, I guess it's, it's growing on me. I don't know what's, what's happening now, but I guess we're, we're far enough in this to where that's, that's going on. So, um, you know, even just walking around in the shop, looking at race cars and stuff and like, Oh yeah, that was just the other week. And you go, wait, no, that was four or five weeks ago. And then you're like, okay, that was, you know, you look at the schedule, like, man, we're, we're already here. You know, it's already the end of the season. And, uh, it, it's crazy, but, um, you know, it's weird looking at our inventory in the shop right now because, you know, none of these cars matter uh, after next week. So it's a little nuts right now, but um, it, it's crazy to sit here and think, you know, we um, we kind of had a mini celebration um, of last week was our first, um, I guess, our, our one-year anniversary of announcing the Charter. Um, not necessarily Live Fast Motorsports, but the Charter itself. So, um, been a pretty cool week, and um, it's it's been um, it's been cool, kind of reflecting on that and how far we've come, um, the unknowns, the scariness, everything like that. Well, you know, for for those who don't know, you were a driver, and this weekend also is important to you for another reason coming up at Martinsville. Um, we'll get into that in just a second, but how scary has this first year been as a team owner? You know, <laughs> uh, Daytona 500 qualifying, I needed a lot more anxiety medication than I had um, on hand with me there. <laughs> um, you know, that was I think what I realized was as a driver, you have all this, you know, pent up energy and stuff like that. And you get in the car and then you get to put the seatbelts on and you turn on the motor and you go. So you can't hear yourself think, which is a good thing. Um, but as an owner, you're sitting there, you're, your heart's racing, all this stuff. And then the car goes off and there it goes. And um, I think that was a big part of, of um, learning in the beginning was there's only so much control that you do have. And so I think learning roles in the beginning a lot was was a big part of it because obviously you're trying to learn, okay, what um, I doing, what's BJ doing? Obviously he's driving the car too, but we both share you know equal responsibilities on the team side. Um, so really working into those roles, but um, you know, learning a lot about myself in there, um, what I'm good at, uh, what you know I do on the sponsor side and the team. Um, growth side and things like that so that's been a lot of fun but you know the, the scariness part of it really went away pretty early and then it just kind of turned into the stress part of it so you know Monday through Friday you did your work and then Saturday and Sunday kind of became the fun days you know you got to go out um, to the racetrack and then um, you know have fun go to go to races and then Sunday morning was just a um, you know four uh, four to seven hour stress fest and then we go home <laughs> Well, you know, that car, is, it looks good on the track. It's, it's, you've had some, some good runs this year. Um, it's obviously, I'm sure it's not where you want it to be, but uh, it, that'll come. To get to the point of ownership from driver, can you take listeners through a little bit of that? And I guess explain to them also what happened to where you're not driving a car now in, on the track. Yeah, um, I'll start it off with the first part of, of what you brought up there of, you know, where we have run and where we want to go. So, 
you know, for Live Fast Motorsports, when we founded it, we, when we first thought about the idea, you know, COVID was not a thing. Um, this was before quarantine, before anything happened. So the whole world changed by the first conversation to the time we got the charter and got the team going and all that stuff. So a lot had changed by the time we kind of got the wheels in motion. Um, so we really um, kind of had to backtrack and say, okay, well, we got to buy these Gen 6 cars. And so we bought the assets from the 32 car, um, but, you know, uh, not all of them. Um, so there's still some stuff we had to do. Obviously, we had to assemble a team and kind of put together what we could um, for this year and really were able to um, achieve every goal that we set out to do. Um, we stayed, um, there's still two weeks left here, but we stayed out of the bottom three charters, which is a huge um, goal for us was to stay around that mark, have a, um, an average finish better of 30th place, which we've been able to do. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's been really good with that stuff. So those are definitely big achievements for an extremely tight budget and extremely quickly put together team um, seeing that we announced the team could actually start hiring people um, two weeks before Thanksgiving. You know, some people have their whole fleets of cars ready before then. We were literally hiring our first employees then. So there's a lot to go into it. But like you said, not where we want to be company-wise, of course, you know, the trajectory of where we want to go is not to go run 30th work. Um, BJ and I are both competitors. We're both racers. We want to be um, winning races in victory lane, but we know where we're at in the field and our resources, we have to work with our partners and, and go, um, you know, baby steps at a time to, you know, gain one spot, gain two spots. And, and people ask me, it's like, what does it take? And, and really, um, right now with this current car is funding, you know, it's the five or $6 million um, gap to go, you know, get the motors you need, get the um, bodies and stuff you need. And this next gen car is a big investment for everybody. But the good thing is it equalizes a lot of things for us. And so really there's only uh, three or four common denominators. And so you really get to look at and say, okay, this is part of a program we need to have. This is where we're going to struggle. So you can kind of see that, but um, to answer your, your, um, your second part of the question. So I drove in the NASCAR cup series uh, in 2019 for my rookie year. I driven in the NASCAR Xfinity series, the, the truck series, um, and ARCA, k and late models, all the stuff up until uh, 2019. And I had a seizure there and that was October 26th. So that was, uh, I guess two years ago as of yesterday. So kind of had a, bittersweet day um you know kind of looking back on that from where that happened and, and where i'm sitting right now well actually seth's first day on the job for kicking the tires was that day at martinsville and i called him and i said tell me what's going on with matt you know and, and find out because we were we were worried about the story i don't even think i wrote anything immediately uh as a matter of fact i'm pretty sure i didn't I didn't write anything until like the next day, but I wanted to know if you're okay. Cause you and I have a, a relationship that goes back. It's not just, you know, it wasn't just, you know, for, from that. So, sure. uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I was, I was, I was genuinely concerned and I'm, I'm glad to see you doing stuff, you know, and still staying involved in the sport because so many people wouldn't have done that. And, uh, and I, I really, I want to pull for you guys to be as successful as possible over at the 78, but I'm going to kick it over to Seth and let him ask a, a few questions when we go around table and uh, then we'll close it out. Perfect. Matt, you mentioned uh, BJ that he goes off and drives the car. 
what's the dynamic concerning you drove for him at one point going from <laughs> having him as a team owner to co-owning a team with him? You know, it's funny because um, it's, it's obviously a lot different because, you know, when I was driving for him, I was 16, 17 years old, something like that in the truck series. Um, but then going back to the very beginning, I was 12 years old. The first time he, uh, I went to the finish line school in New Smyrna, Florida. Um, I didn't even know how to drive a stick shift really. And he was the first guy to, to teach me how to drive a race car. You hadn't oh, yeah. driven a stick shift and you're driving a race car now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I learned two days before that. I, I drove my, my neighbor's old beat up Saturn oh, and, um, and I remember coming down pit road and I had it in second gear. I think I'd made it down there. I didn't know you could pop it and put the, uh, push the clutch and pop it in neutral. I, I thought you had to go through it down through all the gears. So here I'm going down through all the gears. I'm going to go from second to, to reverse and about kill the dang thing. Um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, not, not a, not a great deal there, but luckily I didn't, I did rip out the transmission uh, somehow, but yes, I mean, we've come a, a long way. I've obviously known him a long time, more than um, a dozen years past my life. So he's um, like an older brother to me, uh, been a groomsman in my wedding. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's it's cool because we've gone to a new dynamic. We've always um, been friends. We'd always go to movies when I was racing. Um, we, you know, we, that's what we did in Friday nights, we went to the movies. So um, we always had a great relationship and my family had a great relationship with him. But now um, it kind of goes beyond that because obviously we're business partners and he also drives our car together. So there's a lot more complexities to it. Um, but at the same time, he is somebody who has been from every single, um, you know, aspect of racing that you could either drive or own a car. You know, he's owned his own go-kart. He's owned a late model team that I drew up for, um, owned a truck series team that I drew it for. Um, then, uh, you know, uh, K&M, Arca, he's done that. He's done Xfinity and now the cup deal too. So he has owned um, and racing everything from every single division in racing. So he is one of the old school guys that has, you know, gritted his way up from the very bottom to where he's at now. And there's not too many people that have stories like that, like he does. So the work ethic that he has, the way he works on the competition side, I learned so much from him. I learned a lot about the cars from him. Um, but then what's kind of cool is, you know, I've been with some bigger teams too. So my my knowledge of, you know, some data and things like that, I've been able to help him on a few things with driving on pit road stuff. So um, there's synergies a lot in what we do from my sponsor side. Um, then he has his competition side. Then I might have something on social media and marketing. And then he has um, something on, you know, how you might handle uh, something on personnel. So there's so many things that go back and forth um, to where it makes a really good team because, I have one way of doing something. He has another. So we get to combine it and, and really find a good common ground on a lot of things. And I think it makes us a good pairing. Um, but then we are the youngest owners in the Cup Series. So we have a lot of years to keep on expanding on that too. Does it ever get a little awkward with him owning that completely separate Xfinity team in addition to co-owning Live Fast with you? I, I'd never say it's awkward. And we actually share the same shop right now. So um, the if you walk in, the right side of the shop is the Xfinity shop and the left side of the shop is the Live Fast Cup shop. And then in the very back, we have one late on the back there. Um, so 
you know, in the beginning, um, it was definitely trying to figure out territories of where to make sure everybody has to set their places, right? Because, you know, it's even though it's a 15,000 square foot shop, um, you still have to find your places of where to keep people. But next year, it'll be even easier with that because when you have the cup cars and Xfinity cars now, there's a lot of parts that, you know, really work uh, together on both series. Next year, nothing does. So um, you go from having 13 cars on the cup side to, um, you know, four to seven, depending on what your rotation is in the shop. So seven's the cap for anybody. And, and that makes it to where, you know, pull down um, for scaling and stuff like that. That all changes next year of how you approach that. Um, we'll have Romer arm and things like that. So the way you hang bodies, the way you mount uh, motors in there, um, taking out front clips, everything about this next gen car is so different that really we will be completely on our own island on that side of the shop with a lot more space in there too. So um, it's never been awkward. Of course, you're going to run into little things here and there, but ultimately um, we're both rooting for each other. And um, it's a big, it's a big family within the shop. Um, but at the same time, you do have to keep that invisible wall up a little bit to say, hey, this is one company and this is another company. Um, but we've been able to help each other um, at the same times so with either whether it's setups or uh, marketing stuff or sponsors or drivers um, kind of talking to each other. Um, so that's been good. That's interesting dynamic. Do you, now, if you need a 10 millimeter socket, do you go over to the other side of the shop or do you have your own? <laughs> no, God, no. Do not touch <laughs> other people's tools. You do learn that. If you're a mechanic in NASCAR, you learn yes. that from day one. Don't, you do not touch a damn tool out of someone's <laughs> toolbox. You will get killed for that. 100%. I see that so much at karting because I, I work as an official for a couple of local kart clubs. And every time I'm walking around, like people are like, man, I need a 10 millimeter, but I don't want to ask that next guy over there. So No, you, that is that is the cardinal sin that's the quickest way to start a fight <laughs> awesome awesome zach uh you, you've been around the sport uh, a long time uh you have anything uh you, you want to touch on with with matt well a couple of things i was i was pretty curious about i mean obviously you got to race for you know seth mentioned bj of course for you know a long time back but you've also got you know joe gibbs and rich childress and just the the megas of the sport now, throughout this year, you've been able to see the difficulties involved of, of ownership from, you know, at least your specific situation. How do you look back on when you were a driver? How do you look back on what owners did for you now having a better understanding of what it takes? You know, I think it's, um, it's a complicated question in a way because I don't know that I really look at it as what would I have done from an owner's side? Because I don't think when you have those big mecha teams that you have the close relationships all the time. You have, you have a lot of relationships with people in the competition director side in there. Um, for me as a driver, looking back on my career in 2018, 2019, I worked very closely with um, Blake Cook and, and my crew chiefs in there, my engineers to really hone in and get better. And if you look at my stats in there, they popped up quite a bit and got a lot better in there. So I wish I would have known and appreciated the data and stuff like that earlier in my career. Um, and I felt like I became a much better driver and know things a lot more from that side. Now, what I will say 
is owning the team now, when you look at strategy, when you look at, um, if I was in the race car today, situational awareness and knowing how to, you know, just being out of the car, sitting on the pit box, almost like a backup quarterback, right? You see everything happen. You watch it unfold. So, you know, okay, it's third and it's third and 25. No sense in throwing the Hail Mary and getting an interception. Go to a draw play, go to a dump off pass, do something like that. So protect yourself and live another down. So live another stage, do something like that. So I think there's a lot of things that you can go and pick up on from that side, um, just from sitting back and not being in the race car, if I was in the race car today. Um, at the same time, I think that one of the things I prided myself on at Front Row was not wrecking equipment because I knew they were a smaller team, and I tried to you know, want to give Bob Jenkins a, uh, a shot at um, rehiring me for 2020 when I was over there. So um, luckily, we had a great relationship, and um, that was going to come to fruition before the hell things happened. So um, you know, one thing I've learned a lot as an owner is you never burn bridges, and you always try to identify problems and come up with a solution. And so I think when you're a driver, you're always looking out for number one. And, you know, there's a lot of things that you can look at for, look at for a team aspects. And maybe sometimes um, there were cases where I could have helped the team out more. I could have done this or that differently. You can look at any race week and pick things apart like you do as a driver. But um, I think ultimately being an owner um, and stepping back from the driver's seat and looking at a higher up view, you just see a lot more things that you say, okay, maybe I could have done this or that differently, but you know, the past is the past and and I'm enjoying the present. And it it allows me to being from those big organizations to say, okay, what can we keep on trying to do better as we get more budget to improve the fast motorsports? Yeah, and of course, a lot happens in every season, and I, I bet you guys had, you know, like a book on what you wanted to accomplish, you know, by what point in the season. You got your first lead lap finish, first top 10, you finished your first race, like you had those, and you completed all those, uh, but then you got to give guys like Matt Mills their first opportunity in Cup, and give opportunities to dirt guys and road course guys like Scott Hecker. Mm-hmm. Like, what moments really stand out to you this year that maybe the general public didn't really notice? Well, I think obviously start with the Daytona 500. Um, you know, for me, I was a kid that came home from school and played, um, played you know, video games and, and came home um, to, to finish my homework and go play and ask for video games. So having NASCAR Heat 5 and Xbox in the car and partnering up with Motorsport Games, who still to this day with their new release of NASCAR Ignition and their first game is is really, really cool for me um, to have that partnership with them. So that was really neat. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, like the um, the Bristol Dirt Race was really cool um, having Shane Globick in there. You know, I kind of come from dirt racing um, from a, a background of fandom and my, my dad owning a team. So that was that was pretty neat to see that come in the cup series. Um, unfortunately, Bristol wasn't too friendly to us this year. Um, but then, you know, going to, um, going to Daytona, having that first top 10 that, and that, you know, big moment down there with, with, um, a car that, um, Boggy Creek airboat rides and, and, um, and Gatorland down there. Those were sponsors of BJ's when he was winning hundreds of super late model races in Florida and he's from Florida. So that was such a, a storybook moment of the year. And, um, you know, I think too, a lot 
elements in there of, of things that went wrong. Um, you, you look at things that, you know, those are all happy and great things in there, but you can look at a lot of things that went wrong that you learn from. Um, and at the same time, there's a lot of good, but you take the bad with it to say, okay, how do you learn from this? How do you become better? And I think that's, that's equally as important to say, okay, yeah, these were, you know, these were pinnacle moments of what we did first top 10, first lead lap finished, all those sorts of things. But then you go to the bad and you say, okay, how can we learn from this? How do we, um, you know, improve things? So there's a lot of deals in there to where you really start to feel like you're getting a grasp on it. And from the ownership side, um, you know, my last race that I went to that I actually wanted to drive was Road America. I had gotten over it, but then, you know, Road America was the track that I loved that I had had a lot of success, um, success on. So I, um, I really wanted to drive there and I got to practice day and it's like, man, I really want to be in the car. And I got to Saturday qualifying, um, or later that day qualifying. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually good. And that was a big turning point for me because I think that lingering effect in there was, was gone. And, um, so that was, that was a big deal. And then, um, I'd say the last one, um, was the per was just the, um, the purchase of our first next-gen car because my goodness, we had so much anticipation going into that dang car. So we're excited to get on the track here in, in uh, Charlotte for the oval test for our first time on the track. Um, that's gonna be one of those moments too, for sure, um, to kind of storybook and end our season here. Was Road America the only time you got that feeling this year? Um, no, I think I had it a few other times, but um, mainly in the beginning of the year, I'd say the first quarter of the year, but as it went on, um, you know, I think I kind of lost that, that part of it because I was more focused on our partners, um, more focused on the team, what I could kind of see, maybe what I could help out with, maybe what we could make better for the team for the next year. So really sort of going into that role. And then I enjoyed looking at the pictures of the attitude of the car, looking at some data, looking at that stuff and learning that whole other part of it. And I became almost more intrigued on that part than I was in the driving part. So then, um, you know, having all the trust and faith in BJ in the car, it was like, okay, I don't need to worry about what he's doing. It's kind of watching the team and seeing what they're doing. So I think the, the driving part, it will always be in me. And of course they ended abruptly. So there's always going to be some little bit in there that I'd love to hop back in a late model or something. Do I want to go high? cup car not really um but you know you never lose the competitor for the racer in you and i think that's always going to be there but that's also the drive in me to go compete and make our team better to be you know i never got a win in nascar um in the top three series so um the drive is there to go get that as a race team owner that's awesome i, I do have one question going back to uh the the learning as a team owner had have you had to have anyone hold your watch yet or have you wanted to have someone hold your watch yet <laughs> it's on right now it's on okay <laughs> you know i <laughs> there was uh i know there was one there's definitely one where i wanted to get in the radio you know, start screaming to uh, make sure that he, uh, he his car wasn't going to be moving after a little bit there. That, you know, but you got to, you know, I, I think we all run into that. That's that's NASCAR, right? It's a beating and banging sport. That's why people love NASCAR is because we're, we're physical, we're aggressive, and, man, shit happens. But you got to roll with the punches because guess what? Karma comes around and it goes right back to them later on the next week. Whether it's by, whether it's by us or somebody, somebody else, it's going to happen. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Hey, Justin. It's not, it's not lost on anybody. The whole field sees it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we watch it. Every, I mean, we're, I'm there a lot. So I, I do see yeah. how that how that rolls through. Uh, Justin, what do you got uh, real quick to uh, to find out uh, from Matt and see what – I mean, I think he's told us everything so far. What am I leaving out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Matt, you've really shared really good your whole story. So appreciate your time. Um, and yeah, you came oh, close sure. uh, to a couple races uh, a few years in Xfinity. So uh, uh, that was that was a bummer because it would have been fun to see you in victory lane. But with all this piling up from, you know, your last season in 2019 in the Cup Series, uh, your whole uh, health issue in 2020 and, and COVID hitting and then 2021 now being a Cup owner. Let's go to 2022. What's what's your plans? What's your goals? Do you have anything that you can share with us? Uh, anything breaking news kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, right now we're getting our cars assembled for the next gen test here coming up at the Oval. So we're going to know a whole lot more after that test. So it's really hard to say. Um, we're still going to be in the Ford camp. Um, we're still going to have some um, similar deals going on as far as um, what we're doing. But you know, it's it's really tough to say because we don't have the full budget that we need to be a top 10, top 15 team. There's there's no lying about that. So um, our 30th place goal of this year that's still going to be intact for next year. I hope that this car has so much parity in it that we're going, hey, we're popping out of top 15 and top 20, something like that. Um, I hope we're doing that kind of stuff. But ultimately, nobody knows until we get there. Um, or unload in Daytona or the Coliseum or wherever we get the first um, true shape down, maybe Fontana. Um, th that whole first nine or 10 races is, is going to be a big learning curve for everybody. So, um, you know, I think for us, the biggest thing is we have to control our enthusiasm and our expectations for the first part of the year, just to be able to make sure um, because of the, the newness of the car, because of the, um, the people we've added and things like that, just to make sure we get in a system, in a flow. So um, I hate to say to damper expectations or saying here, oh, well, we're not, we're not expecting to be a, a winning team, but we're not. Um, it's kind of going back to the beginning of, of um, 2021. We just have to get to Daytona. We have to start the year off. We have to build that notebook. And then we kind of roll forward from there. But um you know, it's it's hard to jump off and say, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do this because the, the cars has more parity. We know it does, but at the same time, we know the top teams are going to be the top teams. So um, we just have to make sure we um, go out there and uh, we've seen, you know, with this next-gen car, there's a lot more um, of tightness of the field. We know what happens in NASCAR when people are close to each other. So mm -hmm. I think we have to take care of our race, take care of our race car. We have awesome Sir Haas pit crews. Um, so beat on, on pit road, maybe get in class with wave rounds and, and um, or um, lucky dogs. I think it's going to give a shot to be, you know, for Mount Haas right now, that's where we struggle the most. Um, it's just the, the drag and the horsepower. So hopefully some variables are taken out there to where we're a little bit closer to where people either crash or we get, um, we get some um, wave rounds and things like that to be, you know, in position late in races. But um, ultimately, I think it's going to put a lot more in the driver's hands. And um, we know that um, that we don't we know that we know nothing. And that's the coolest part about it, because right now we're coming into it, um, what, 10 years behind the eight ball on this car. So everybody starts fresh. We're going to be leaning on a lot of people to, to get a program going. So um, 
I can't say expectations because we truly don't know. So we kind of go off of the budget of, um, of where the finishes of where we have right now. And hopefully they're better. Hopefully they're not worse. And um, the best thing we can do is keep cars in one piece and learn from the parts we have with this independent rear suspension, the transaxle and these uprights and the new body and everything in this, the sequential shifter. Um, there's so many new parts that we just have to learn. By week three or four, I will have a much better answer for you. But right now, I'm sitting at October, whatever it is, 27th, 28th, uh, going into Halloween weekend at Martinsville, I, I truly don't know. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of times with the uh, uh, new car coming out. Have you talked with any other teams or drivers who have been able to go out to test uh, to oh, kind of dip their brain a bit? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we were at the um, we were at the Roval test. Um, so we stayed out there extensively. And I think, you know, it's been well reported um, the, the good things and the bad things about the car. So I think the, there's still issues to work through on some of the steering stuff. And there's been a lot of um, improvements that have come out internally that everybody's been working on. So um, that's why we test though. That's why, you know, it's a brand new car. We've never seen anything come out like this. So um, I think they're addressing those right now and we'll see updates to these cars. Um, we're going to see some updates as we go on. I don't know exactly how many will be implemented by the time we get to the Charlotte Oval test, but um, by the time the uh, Coliseum and the 500 turns around, we're going to have a car that's built to race to withstand 500 miles. And the great thing was from the test, you know, the two biggest issues were the steering and the, the heat inside the car. I think they've done a good job addressing the heat. And the steering is just something we have to keep on working on um, from an industry perspective. So we'll see how that keeps on progressing. And, um, you know, ultimately, I think we're in a good direction because we're going to the test, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So that Roval test going, man, I don't know if this thing's going to fall apart, if it's going to be okay. It's a brand new, you know, very expensive, brand new piece of equipment we're buying. Because, you know, it's like, well, buying a Lamborghini and you're like, well, shoot, I don't know if this is going to fall apart or, you know, off a lot of, if it's a lemon or if it's good. And 99% of it was good. And so that was a huge, huge sigh of relief for us because we're like, okay, we can breathe. We can be okay. And, you know, then you go into test plans and seeing what you want to do, um, what works, what doesn't. And then you kind of wait to hear back from the manufacturers and, and, um, and you kind of go from that road course thing to what the test plans will be for the oval. And that's when we get to come in, implement our stuff and, and have our first crack at it, which we're pretty pumped about. Well, man, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for you. I'm actually hoping that some sponsor will see the show tonight and come and write you a check for like $25 million. Hey, you know what? I'd take, um, I'd take a fifth of it. I'd take, um, I'd take half of it. <laughs> I have some little bitty kicking the tire stickers that are like this big. I don't know if I can do a whole hood thing, but I will. <laughs> if, if that happens, we'll slap you wherever you want on there. <laughs> I love hey, it. So I far, it. so far the record of the drivers we've worked with has been pretty good. Brandon Brown went out and won a race. Uh, We've had a couple of drivers who suddenly went up and got some top 10 finishes. So maybe this is some good luck for you in these uh, last two races. Well, I mean, BJ had a good finish down there in Martinsville in the spring. I had a very good run there. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that for him because he's a short track racer at heart. So um, who knows? We'll uh, try to rub off some of the energy to him. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. I know I kept you a little bit longer than I said. Oh, you're fine. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to blow up your night. But man, thank you so much. The best of luck to you guys. You're welcome on the show anytime. You've got the link. Just uh, just give me a holler and uh, and you got my cell phone. I know that. But uh, give me a holler anytime. You can come on. If you want to promote a sponsor, you want to promote uh, a finish. Just give me a holler. 
Awesome. Sounds good. And hey, happy Halloween to everybody. I don't know exactly when this is coming out, but happy Halloween. We do have the Halloween car coming out, the King Parts uh, Mustang coming out. So go, make sure you check out uh, CorvetteParts.net. Final race we'll have with them. And um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun year. So thank you guys for everything from start to finish. Obviously, from my racing career to the professional career here now. Again, suit not used to that, um, but um, it's it's grown on me. It's, it's it's not bad. It's pretty comfy. <laughs> Well, you look a lot sharper than we do, but uh, uh, that's that's to be expected. It's uh, you're a, you're a professional team owner now, and uh, we're honored to have you on the show, guys. That was really cool having Matt Tift on the show. I'm glad he uh, took the time and didn't get too upset for uh, us keeping him longer than the 20 minutes I promised him earlier tonight. So, uh, Zach, uh, you know. Take us through some of the things that, you know, we missed you, man. You've been gone for two weeks. So I'm going to like pitch to you and you can tell us first, tell us the good news about your life. Second, tell us about what's going on in the world of NASCAR. Well, I can't yet announce the life part. Uh, that's coming up pretty soon, but it all starts uh, next week. And it's, uh, it's a huge, huge adjustment for me. And it's uh, super exciting, but I'm not going anywhere here at uh, Kicking the Tires. I'll be back for 2022. So uh, no problem there. Uh, but Obviously, a lot of news over the last few weeks. I've been staying uh, in close touch, and we had a, a very exciting weekend of racing last week, and it was very exciting for Daniel Ricciardo, which this is a big turn. Uh, obviously, this is a NASCAR podcast, but this does have a NASCAR connection. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, a Formula One driver from McLaren, uh, he's been in that sport for a long, long time now. He's won many races, and most importantly, he won a race this year, and then that, that, um, that solidified uh, this deal that Zach Brown uh, with McLaren made with, made with him earlier this year, uh, Brown said, if you win or if you are on the podium, uh, you get to test drive uh, a very special car that I have. It's a uh, Dale Earnhardt's number, uh, number three Wrangler Chevrolet from 1984. Zach Brown had this car and uh, Ricardo grew up as an Earnhardt fan um, growing up in Australia. And he was absolutely thrilled uh, when he got, I mean, you win from McLaren and F1. I mean, that's like, that's bigger than most teams. I mean, there's Ferrari, there's Red Bull, um, you know, Mercedes, but you know, that's one of the biggest ones when it comes to the history. Uh, so Daniel already wanted to win, but with that on his, on his, uh, on his heels, I mean, he went out and he did it um, a couple months. So a few weeks ago back at uh, Monza out in Italy and uh, yeah, for the U S Grand Prix uh, before that race, he got to test drive that car and he had a open face helmet and he, he went all out and it, it was awesome. It was, it was fun to watch that. Uh, the car sounded fantastic. It looked great. He did some uh, some burnouts in it, and I'm sure a lot of the Formula One paddock haven't seen too many cars like that. Uh, it's a far cry from the from the computers that they're driving. They sound a lot different. They smell a lot different, and uh, that was uh, that was some nice Americana. You know, once they come here once a year, they're going. To, they're coming to the U.S. twice next year, but you know, all this time it's been uh, just uh, in Texas. And um, Ricardo every year has always really. Uh, come around that race and really celebrated coming to the U.S. every year. And he's been out to NASCAR races before, and uh, I always felt like he would he would really gel well with NASCAR. He's somebody who's, who's got that personality, and he's great with the fans, and he's a hell of a driver. So um, I hope he would be able to properly run a NASCAR race. But um, I know for him, he's he's always been an Earnhardt fan, so he's always had that connection, and he had a an awesome tribute helmet, um, a black number three helmet, because he's run the number three in F1. Um, ever since he was with Red Bull, um, I think 2014. And when he was with Renault and now with McLaren, he's held on to that number. And uh, Dale Jr., 
uh, reached out. Um, I think on Twitter, he said that he really appreciates how Daniel throughout all these years, not just the number, not just him being a fan, but him talking about it and kind of spreading his dad's legacy um, and doing it overseas, especially, and um, how that makes the whole Earnhardt family feel and the, and the smiles that it brings to his fans. Um, Ricardo, he said he got goosebumps when he, when he read that. And um, yeah, that's, I, I just love when motorsports come together in that certain way, whether it's IndyCar, NASCAR, F1, MotoGP, whatever, anytime there's those cross, those crossovers, I get really, really excited. So that was cool to see. And uh, another crossover would be obviously someone coming from the booth with uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. He runs his one Xfinity race every year. Uh, he did Richmond uh, just a few weeks ago. And uh, for next year, it's going to be the spring race at Martinsville, which uh, he's had his share of success at Martinsville. He won a cup race there in 2014. It was among the biggest race wins of his career because he always wanted to win there. And I don't think we ever saw him happier than that race that day. He was jumping up and down. He was so happy to get that damn clock, man. Uh, so now uh, he'll have another shot to do it in an Xfinity car. He'll be in the uh, number 88. And uh, most of the time, he's pretty competitive. I mean, he, he you know, he struggled a little bit this, this past race. But before then, he gets top fives in every race. Um, I surely think he still has it. You know, we know those cars are really fast everywhere. Uh, Josh Bailey just won there earlier this year. Uh, so and one of his drivers is my Xfinity pick for this weekend. So uh, we know those cars are fast and we still know that he loves driving them. So um, exciting, exciting news for the for the Earnhardt clan. And, and just a little note on uh, that opportunity Ricardo had at Coda, the tires they used on the 1984 Dale Earnhardt Sr. car were not the bias ply tires used back in 1984. It was the radial tires from the NASCAR Xfinity Roval race last year that they didn't get to use in dry conditions. Oh, interesting. Uh, interesting. Very interesting. I do know that the uh, uh, the announcers and a lot of people are saying when they saw the car roll out, they thought it was a show car until they heard it and then <laughs> saw the uh, saw the burnouts and everything. So uh, uh, that was that was pretty cool. Seth, uh, continue along the Dale Earnhardt Jr. thread because this is uh this is kind of like the Dale Jr. show this yeah. week. Uh, it's gonna be Matt Tiff to Dale Jr. Really? Yeah. Well, that'll happen when Dale Jr. also shakes down the next gen car at Bowman Gray Stadium. Uh, Tony Stewart was out there uh, doing a Goodyear uh, tire test. Uh, albeit he got there about ninety minutes late. Um, oops. Are you surprised? Wait a second. <laughs> they they wanted Tony Stewart to be there early. So just so you know, um, I did call Tony and ask him to be on the show tonight. Yeah. He had uh he had a, a photo shoot to do all day today, and he is packing to go out of town. Like, I mean, he's on the road for the next month. So yeah. but I I did reach out. Uh, he has an open invitation to be on the show anytime he wants. He knows that, and uh, he was very appreciative of it. So, uh, you know, but yeah, I'm not surprised Tony was late to anything. Oh, oh I'm not surprised by that either. But uh, I, it did limit the amount of time that uh, our photographer that was working with us yesterday, uh, Eric Messer, had to actually shoot photography because he had to run back to his day job. So we got about 30, 35 photos, but still, it, it, it's a cool car. And just to see a cup car running around Bowman Gray of all places. Uh, you, you know, you do have a camera with you, so you can oh, take I, some photos. Oh, I did take a few. 
Okay. I did take a few with my phone. I did. I did. Okay. Okay. The craziest thing that came out of that test was the fact that that was Dale Jr.'s first time at Bowman Gray. To Bowman Gray, yes. That's hey. I, I would have bet all my money. I would have bet anything that he's been there at least once. That's crazy. How about this? It was the first time Tony Stewart's ever driven there and the only yeah. the second time he had ever been there. Crazy. And for what Cook about- Boyer, it was the first time he had driven there. And the upteenth time he had been there, the first <laughs> of course. time, not the that does not surprise not, me. Yeah, that does not surprise me. Well, the, the first man. time, not in the quote beer hall section. <laughs> that, 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 like, if you were gonna name a hall after Clint Boyer, you would name it Boyer Hall, you would name it the beer hall. That that's a hundred percent Boyer's place right there. Yeah. But um, Tony did uh, loop it around twice during the Goodyear tire test, and. Junior, although he said it was the best driving cup car he has ever driven, best brakes, best handling, he did mention that because of the different tire, that he expects a lot of people to step over that line because they're not familiar with it and compared it to the change in the 80s and 90s from the bi-supply tires that Goodyear originally started out with in NASCAR to the radial tires. And just some stats from that one season from when they changed to a year later. 11 cautions, 14 cautions, 15 cautions, 12 cautions, 10 cautions, 13 cautions, 3, 8, 3, 10, 12. If you see where this is going, there were a lot of cautions during that time period in that one season. And... Dale Sr. struggled. Jeffrey Bodine struggled. Uh, Brett Bodine struggled. Daryl Waltrip, you name it, they all struggled with getting a grip, no pun intended, on the radial tire. Well, with a wider tire, which has a bigger contact patch, but a shorter sidewall because it is an 18-inch tire, it doesn't have the same amount of grip. So it's very easy to step over that edge. Uh, yeah, Chris and- Busher did at uh, the Roval twice. <laughs> Danny Hamlin did at the Roval. Yeah, and that and the, and the sidewall basically is is the black part of the tire where you see Goodyear on the sides. Yep. Um, that part, if the tire, I don't know if people know, but that part of the tire is supposed to flex a little bit. Um, it's almost like if if your if your house is on on stilts or something like that, which is what we basically have in California, and that's to help counter the earthquakes instead of just being built straight onto the ground. Um, and that's to allow it to sway back and forth slightly, give it some flex. So when you have a thinner sidewall, it doesn't have as much flex or have as much capability to flex and move, which means the tire is going to start skidding or uh, hopping, uh, depending on if you have too much or too little tire pressure. Um, so that's what Junior's referencing there that whole time. And that's, that's, that's what he's saying. When, when, when you have a wider tire, it, it, you think you have more grip. And so you as a driver are going to go, oh, well, I have a wider tire, so I'm going to go more aggressive into this turn and then realize that your tire doesn't have as much flex, which means it's just going to skate out or bounce out from under you. And that's what Junior is saying. He's expecting a lot of these drivers to go over that limit just because mentally they're thinking, oh, well, hey, psh, no problem. And then not realize that that thin line is becoming even thinner with this new tire. I think we're going to see some 
the, uh, the tire next year is going to play a, a, a key role in a lot of the uh, a lot of the getting used to the new car. And people are going to be, I think you're going to see a lot of people complaining about it. But when it's all said and done, a couple of things will come from it. Drivers will learn, they will adapt, and they will actually race better, harder, and faster with this new tire. And fans will adopt not only the tire, the way it looks, the profile. They're going to adopt this one lug nut thing because it's going to... It's going to equalize a few things, but it's also going to be very interesting and and, fun, and I think more fun to watch because you're going to say you're going to sit there and you're going to say, okay, five on five off, that is uh, that's what you know you you think racing is. Well, there one lug nuts in a lot of other forms of racing. What it's going to really do is throw off drivers on pit road and we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes uh when we go to a little bit of a recap uh from kansas i'm gonna have ryan newman uh discussing how he goes through a pit stop and what he hears with a five on five off so but seth you still got some iRacing stuff to go to so i want to get back to that before we go to the uh the ryan newman audio yeah and i'm actually staying with the dale jr theme of this episode because i'm shocked i am shocked (laughs) yeah wow because Dale Earnhardt Jr. announced that he will be running the full season for Monday Night Racing. So apparently I'm going to be competing with both Dale Jr. and Kyle Busch on track week in and week out in Monday Night Racing. Well, so, uh, I will be. Interesting. Uh, also in iRacing news uh, this week, uh, the All-American Esports 400, which is actually sponsored by... Nashville Fairgrounds and the promoters of the actual All-American 400 uh, was run. Trayton Lapsovich from the NASCAR Pinty Series won the race after taking tires with 15 laps to go and running through the field. 15 laps to go. So that's a bold, that's a bold move. I mean, that late in the race to take, to take tire, I guess it, Obviously, the tire programming into the iRacing uh, system was uh, was on point for that. It, it was on point, and honestly, 28 cautions in a 300-lap race certainly will help uh, certain things. That, that sounds like what I was racing in, in iRacing. I did that. Uh, I probably caused a few of those. I, I do have a question about this Dale Jr. thing before we move on. Um so Dale Jr. is going to be racing with Kyle Busch in the Monday Night League. They have asked me to sponsor one of their races. Um, I wonder if the sponsor gets a provisional start in their races. I don't know. That would be a question for uh, like the league promoters, uh, which in this case are Ford Martin and Paul Sutton. But I do know a league that does offer uh, provisionals for the sponsor, and that's for the fans uh, and our friend Justin Malillo's league. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that league because uh, didn't we sponsor like every race there over, uh, over the past year? Yeah, and I think we have one more race coming up, which is I think the season finale at Texas, if I remember correctly. We have, uh, I, I, I do, I believe we do have the season finale race. I also know that we're sponsoring um, the next year's Kick in the Asphalt League. Uh, and we will be stepping it up and helping out Justin Malalo next year as well. Uh, he just doesn't know it yet. So, <laughs> well, you're... Justin, if you're watching, uh, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they just had their first race of the round of eight, which was at Kansas. 
and Tyler Gary won and advanced into the championship four. Uh, Kevin King, who's a former Cope Series driver, is second in points. Garrett Conrad and Michael Frisch are third and fourth. Bob Mercurio, who will be in the iRacing Contender Series, is fifth. Cope Series driver Blake Reynolds is sixth, followed by Brandon Hawkins and Alex Kalonitz. I'm looking at the points and I'm looking at the playoff standings right now for FTF. Four of the drivers that were in the top 16 that have been eliminated were in the Coke series this year. So that is a stout field that they have this year. Well, it'll be fun to uh, it'll be fun to be in, involved with uh, with them next year as well. As obviously they've been uh, very successful for us uh, in in marketing the Kick in the Tires brand. We're also going to be doing uh, a couple different things next year, um, not only with our racing but probably on the track. Who knows? We might get our logo with, uh, on Matt Tiff's car. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? It would, uh, just like how we were on uh, Brandon Brown's car in the Xfinity series, which. He, he's I famous now. It, that, well, there's that, but I was. Everybody ask, is cheering for Brandon. You can't go to a sporting event in this country and not hear people cheer for Brandon. Well, the, where I was going to go with this is, <laughs> is there an update on whether or not a diecast might be made of that car? We are working on that. And I have talked to the Circle B diecast people. Um, and that is moving forward at faster than a turtle's pace. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a rabbit speed, but it's definitely <laughs> faster than turtle pace. Um, so uh, there is that. And Justin, tell us, what's what's the stuff? I hear you are uh, breaking down numbers, and you, you may have just a little bit one stat difference than the great Bob Pockers. Uh Yeah, I don't know if Bob maybe got Xfinity Series confused with the Xfinity-sponsored cup race. Uh, but Chase Elliott cannot clinch a spot in the championship four on stage points alone. Uh, he can if none of the other drivers below him uh, in in the round of eight, so the other six drivers aside from Larson, win the race. Uh, if he gets if he wins both stages and none of them win the race, then he clinches. But if they do win the race, he doesn't. Uh, clinch a spot in advance into the uh, championship four round. So uh, I do want to make sure that's clear. So he can technically get it, but that's also help from other drivers not by them not winning the race. Obviously, with the Cup Series, if anyone wins the race, they are going to join Kyle Larson in the championship four, and then there's two more spots up for grabs uh, on points, which at this point is uh, looking really good for both Chase Elliott and uh, Danny Hamlin, but obviously anything can happen uh so so it's not really sitting good for them um uh, so there's lots of other point shuffling for the other guys but at this point with how close it is between kyle bush ryan blaney uh and martin truex jr uh they're they're just going to need to go win and that's 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 how it is they, they've got to approach this race like they, like they've got to win um uh chevy has uh locked up the cup series championship uh for the for the um for the manufacturers championship so uh they have done that uh chevy can clinch the xfinity manufacturers championship if they get enough points after martinsville and then toyota is on the verge of clinching the manufacturers title in the truck series uh truck series drivers also very similar situation none of them can clinch on stage points alone so both the truck race and the cup race 
are going to go down to the wire to the very last lap. The, the both those two races I'm really looking forward to because there's going to be eight different battles across the whole track. And I think you know exactly which eight I'm talking about. Um, so that's going to be really fun to see. Uh, maybe I guess you could argue seven in the cup since Larson's already advanced in. But uh, for Xfinity, I will say Cindric and Almendinger can both clinch into the championship four if they get a total of 15 stage points from the first two stages. Once they've done that, uh, they have clinched into the championship four. So uh, knowing how well those guys have been running all year long, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen for both of them. Uh, so uh, that's obviously good. That also changes as people crash out and then are out of the race. And now there's no longer, you know, one point there, they could get two points, three points, so on and so forth. So uh, that could change on that front. But after that, all, all the other six guys are, are fighting for themselves for, for two of those last spots. So, um, and like I said, Chevy can clinch uh, the manufacturer's championship on another uh, uh, for that series as well, if they get enough points. One thing I did notice that is a little uh, interesting to note is that the only driver that is unclinched, uh, that has not yet advanced into the championship four from the Cup Series race that has not won at Martinsville is Ryan Blaney. Yeah, I think Ryan Blaney is probably the favorite going into this race, considering how strong his season uh, really has been across so many different tracks. So I thought that was a little interesting tidbit to toss in there so well speaking of ryan blaney uh i kind of teased it a little bit earlier uh spoke with blaney this past week at kansas and uh, i wanted to know uh what he sees so when he comes down pit road at martinsville what is it's very limited what what does a driver do how do they react how do they know when to go i've never asked this question of a driver before for for them to be sitting in the car and take me through a pit stop so uh we're gonna go to that audio right now and and let ryan tell you in his own words what a pit stop at martinsville will be like this weekend at least from his perspective like you can see you know jackman front carrier front changer jump in front of the car and I can kind of see him working on the right front and then I can really see him working on the left front like changer taking it off carrier making the transfer and you're kind of I'm, I'm listening to how many nuts you know you can kind of hear how if they're stabbing you know taking five nuts off if they stab it seven times you're like oh you missed a couple nuts and same thing with the on pattern so you can kind of understand how fast it's going to be from that stuff um, but like the rear I can't really see if we're doing a fuel only obviously you have the gas man in your left side mirror so you're watching him and kind of getting ready to go. Uh, but yeah, it's, you don't really see the rear change your rear, uh, you know, carrier that much. Um, but I can see the front guys pretty well. And um, my front carriers, he'll fire me up after he hangs the left front tire. He gets pretty amped up. So uh, I know if it's a good stop, if he's jumping up and down and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of limited, but you can get a general idea of what's going on in the front, or at least I can from listening and kind of watching them, how clean the off pattern on pattern is how clean the hang is you know, if he hangs it and he's fiddling around with it you're like yeah hey, i went to that very clean of a hang so you can see a little bit of it yeah and martinsville has some of the tightest pit stalls so mistakes that people have been making regularly throughout the season martinsville is going to be the one race where they they have to get this fixed now if they are making those mistakes because it's just going to uh, uh exponentially get 
tougher uh, to get right at Martinsville. Uh, other things too with the Kansas race, uh, we're going to recap that here, but what a season Kyle Larson has been having. Um, not only is he locked into the championship four, uh, he did that by winning again at Kansas. And not only that, he has now passed Jeff Gordon with the most laps led in a 36 race season. Um, and considering how many, like if you look at total number of laps led, that is actually tougher to do on this schedule because we have a less total number of laps because we're running more road courses uh, on some of these bigger tracks. So uh, taking out a lot more of the mile, mile and a half tracks and putting on some of these multi, you know, uh, multiple mile road courses that's that's going to be even tougher to beat so the fact that larson has already passed that and still has two races left is absolutely phenomenal uh and not only that but this is the first time since 1987 since we've seen someone win three in a row twice on two separate occasions and the last time that was done was dale earnhardt in 1987 when he won four in a row early in the season and then three in a row later in the season uh technically you could argue that larson did win four in a row if you throw in the all-star race but we don't count that as a points race so unfortunately not and and zach you were mentioning during the uh during the break even too like had had that tire not gone out on larson on that final corner at pocono we would have seen him truly uh equivocate what Dale Earnhardt Sr. did in 1987 with four in a row and three in a row. So if Larson wins here at Martinsville, which he's even admitted is arguably his worst track on the schedule. <laughs> I mean, not only is that 10 on the season, but that's four in a row and three in a row. And then going into Phoenix where again, he's the favorite to win the championship that could end his season off with five wins in a row. Um, which I think the last time that was done uh, uh, was uh, well, first, the last time we've seen someone win five races in the championship 10 races was Tony Stewart uh, when he went on that massive comeback from from behind kind of thing. But, gosh, it's been a long time since we've seen someone yeah. win five in a row. Well, it, been Bill Elliott in the 80s? I, I don't remember that one. I do remember the Tony Stewart one, and I know how it happened. It was uh, uh, Tony got on a roll after Atlanta when his crew chief lied to him about making adjustments to the car. And uh, he ended up going on to win the, win the five, that, uh, five out of the 10. And then he fired his crew chief uh, for lying to him about making adjustments to the car. And, and if I may, the number five is coming up a lot. Larson won in the five car in Ricky Hendricks paint scheme. This paint scheme on the anniversary of the plane crash. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh it was it was it was a uh an interesting scenario there. Mr. Hendrick actually wasn't at the track um this past weekend. And actually he hasn't been at the track for the past couple of weeks. Um but I, I'm pretty sure obviously he'll he'll be at Phoenix for sure. I don't know what his uh, schedule is for this weekend, but I'll be big, busy, busy man uh, running at Hendrick Motorsports and Hendrick Cars. So uh, he's got a, a lot of irons in the fire. Uh, you know, somebody on this podcast back at the beginning of the year said something about Larson winning eight to 10 races. I don't remember who that was. I think I, I think we bring this up every week. <laughs> every and, and no week. one, no one seems to remember every week. No one seems to remember every week, every week, who, every week. Who picked Larson by, to win that many races? By the way, I actually forgot Larson won at Bristol. So if he wins Martinsville and Phoenix, he'll have won six of the 10 playoff races. That's like, 
That's nuts. <laughs> That's nuts. I mean, half his races wins have come in the last 10. It's, it's crazy. This is this is getting ridiculous. No, it's not. No, it's not. As I, well, you know, I, I would love to see Kyle Larson go out and win the championship because you know what? There's there's very few, you know, truly deserving people in the world and I, that have, have had a downtime that turned it around and, you know, Went went on to glory. He didn't give up. He didn't walk away. Um, and 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 the championship for him, in my opinion, is one hundred percent fitting. And, and I think he would be. He will make a great ambassador for this sport. He would. And on top of that, someone here did actually pick Larson last week for the Kansas win, and I think that might have finally broken a bad luck streak for that person yep yep hey uh just saying like you pick <laughs> larson you're gonna do good well this is talladega don't pick larson at talladega he'll get you one point he'll get you one point in the spring race and he'll get you one point in the fall race well for our fancy uh Justin won the the weekend at least in Cup with fifty eight points. I finished second with fifty two. Sarah finished third with fifty. Jerry, you got twenty eight. Zach, you got forty one. And poor Summer, the first time she picks in ages, she gets one point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I saw that. That was uh, partially my fault. Um, she kept trying to pick other people. We, we did pick some drivers, um, and finally we just she just said, "Here, pick someone." <laughs> pick Kozlowski. He didn't. He didn't finish. He had uh, a bad well, day. Well, no, he. She originally oh, picked Kozlowski, but some. But Matt had oh, yeah. taken Kozlowski, so she went with oh, Blaney. That's right. that's right. She went with Blaney. Yeah, and Bl I have video of Blaney blowing up uh, as well. Oh uh, yeah, bad bad day. Um, so who picks first this week? Well, for, we have to go all the, the way dog, down to the... The dog picks first. <laughs> it's not mine. <laughs> but we have to go all the way down to the truck series first because they're the first to run. And Jerry, you pick first for trucks. I'm last again? No, you're yes. first. You're, you're first, Jerry. You're first yeah. in our hearts. You're first in our hearts. <laughs> um is John Hunter Nemechek racing this weekend? Yes. Then I pick him. In the trucks? Are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. Someone's stupid. Anyway, next pick is Justin. So you might want to watch your mouth. <laughs> Man. Um, well, I mean, you picked the easiest one, right? With uh, uh, John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, I'm going to go Sheldon Creed. He's, uh, he's on the line right now. And when you need someone to perform with uh, some clutch, some clutch skills, and and get it done, it, it, right now the guy that's really shown the only other truck that's been on a consistent competitive level has been Sheldon Creed, and I've mentioned that before. Um, I know we have some other guys up there that are gonna come up and probably win this race. You know, Todd Gillen starting second, and he literally grew up on a half mile short track out here in SoCal, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he won it. Nima Checks had a solid season, but. Uh, Sheldon Creed's going to be uh, up there too. So, and Zach, you're next for trucks. I'm going to go with Stuart Friesen. Um, he's going to kind of shake up this grid a little bit. He's on the outside right now. 
Um, yeah, I think he's going to that's, – that's more of like a gut feeling. You know, he's been solid this year. But unfortunately for him, usually when he's good, Matt Crafton is good as well. Uh, so I think Creed might end up having another bad race. Um, probably not of his doing. He's always tremendously fast. I think he's a great pick. But uh, this race was unbelievably crazy last year. I mean, we had – I remember there were just so many drivers up front racing for the win. And, um, like, it was Rafael Assad. And then, like, Enfinger got the win. Everyone was beating the crap out of each other. So if it's anything like that, I think none of us are going to pick the right guy. But I think Friesen, he's going, going in with the right attitude. And we know he's really good at Phoenix as well. So if he can get through, uh, it'll be perhaps a championship. So I'm going to go with Friesen. So, uh, a couple. Uh, oh, go ahead. Justin. Sorry. No, you finish up. Okay. Well, I am mathematically out of contention for the truck championship. So I'm going to have a little bit of fun with this. And I'm going to pick somebody who's fast car this past weekend with the QR codes, sold 50,000 hoodies. Parker Klingerman. He, he, the promotion he did with Fast, they sold 50,000 hoodies and had 70,000 QR code, code scans. And oh, just wow. for the just for the record, we're going to be talking to Parker Kligerman uh, and the sponsors uh, probably tomorrow, and uh, have a little bit of uh, update on the on the website about that. So uh, that will uh, that'll be interesting to, to to know more and hear more about how that, uh, that sponsorship worked. They reached out to me earlier today, so um, looking uh, looking forward to that. Now, does uh, since you have picked who's who's the Who's got Points picks leader in? in trucks? Well, who's or... got who's got picks in? Because Summer's gonna need to pick. And uh, uh, Matt, uh, the only ones who have not picked for trucks are Matt, Christian, Summer, Sarah, and Rachel. Summer's gonna go with Matt Crafton. Okay. So just to recap the truck points, Rachel was leading the truck points by sixty-four points over Matt. So she pretty much has got the truck championship locked up. Yes. I pretty much don't. Jerry, you are 171 points behind. That's nothing. That is nothing. Those are those points mean nothing to me. Wait till we get to the Xfinity. Um, well, you pick first for Xfinity, so go ahead. Okay, well, I'm going to pick. <laughs> I, I'm going to do some show and tell. And since the, since the podcast posts on... Thursdays, which is a essentially uh, throwback Thursday, I am going to pick the young man in this photo right here. Tell me which one I'm picking. So you're I'm picking gonna... Harrison Burton. That is right. This is Mr. Harrison Burton right here. Uh, this is from when he was with the NASCAR Next program, and uh, he is my pick for Xfinity uh, this week. I had to go way back to find that photo. And Zach, you are next to pick for Xfinity. Um, where am I in points? How far back am I? You I are position here. You are in third, and you are 16 points behind the lead. Yep. Yep. Oh boy. That's really good. I have one guy in mind who I have a good feeling about. And I usually when I take a chance, it's either really, really good or really, really bad. Um Screw it. I'm taking a chance. I'm going to go with Sam Mayer. I have a good feeling about him. He's been good in that car. You know, he's been getting in some trouble here and there, but he 
was contending for the win at Bristol, and I just have a good feeling about him. So uh, Martinsville, I mean, that car just won there earlier this year. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Mr. Mayor. And, Justin, you are next to pick, and uh, you are one point behind the leader. Yeah, that's you, huh? <laughs> well, um, oh, I'm the only one who hasn't picked yet that's on the show. Dumb. Uh, I'm going, I'm going Noah Gragson. Uh, so last year he finished third earlier this year, he finished second. Uh, he's, he's led laps in both. Uh, he actually won a stage in both. So, uh, this, this kid, it just knows how to get it done here. And considering, you know, the bad luck that he's had in, in this round, uh, I, I don't think that, um, uh, I don't think that's going to face him at all. I think he's going to go out there and do really, really well, if not win it and get himself, somehow into this championship four and i will take someone who is usually pretty good at martinsville although he hasn't quite had the finishes to show it for it yet i'm gonna go with austin cindrick be very interesting to see how that plays out um there's some good picks there all of y'all have some good picks you know I actually expected one of y'all to say something about my photo. I thought that was, you know. Well, you know. here's the question. You asked us which one of the two you were picking, and we all said Harrison Burton. I said Tyler Dipple. <laughs> <laughs> Is he an expensive No, he's not. I was going to say, who was the other one in that photo? Was it Dipple or was that Sheldon Creed? It was Dipple, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, pretty sure it was Dipple. I would have to go back and, and look, but that was uh, from the NASCAR next days. And um, that was at a function that we had in downtown Charlotte on the roof, a restaurant that's on the roof of a building in downtown Charlotte. Zach probably knows better than I do. I don't remember the, the name of the place, but it was really cool. Um, and they have like fire pits outside. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was back when we did well, pre COVID when we did fun stuff in NASCAR. Um yeah, we don't get to do that anymore. So uh, what about Cup Series? Because I'm not that far out of it in Cup Series. Well, in Cup, the first to pick is still Zach. Still Zach. Um, uh, man, this is what I love about the Cup Series. They have the best grid for this final race. <laughs> uh, we talked about it, four drivers, you know, base, or it was, yeah, four drivers going for one spot. Um, who can race on points, and they're all very, very good here. Uh, but I'm going to go below them. I'm going to go with Joey Logano. Uh, he's got it done here before in fascinating fashion. Um, he, he's pretty much the only guy who – he is the only guy who really, like, truly has to win. Like, yeah, just the points just aren't going to work out. The guys in front of him are too good at Martinsville. They're literally, like, the five best guys to ever drive there. So uh, he'll have to win. And I, I feel like he's one of the better ones there too. So I'm going to go with Joey. And Justin, you're next to pick. Um, I'm going to go with the guy who's actually kind of struggled lately on the short tracks, but has really turned it around when he's needed it most. Earlier this year, he he's only top 10, uh, was at Bristol on the dirt. So kind of take that grain of salt and realize he hasn't had a top 10 finish on the short tracks. And then you come down to the end of the schedule where you have the playoffs come in. And he has a top 10 and a top five at the two of the three uh, short tracks that we raced at. 
Um, so I think he's going to keep that trend going. And like I said, give himself a shot to get himself into that championship four. And that's going to be the number two seed of Ryan Blaney. Interesting. Did y'all watch the pit reporters on PRN this week? Because uh, <laughs> you, Zach, picked my pick of Joey Logano. And you, Justin, picked Chase Wilhelm's pick of Ryan Blaney. Since um, neither one of those guys are out there, I'm going to go with a guy who has three wins at Martinsville and is not afraid to rough it up. And that would be the one and only Martin Truex Jr. And with that, just uh, for where we are with the points, Jerry is saying third in points. He is 49 points behind the points leader, which is me. Somehow. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and Rachel is second in points. And she's 34 behind. Ooh, so you have a chance to clinch it. I do have a chance to clinch it. And you know what? I'm going to say we're going to see someone equivocate with history. And I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. Ooh. Nice. So the other guy who has never won at Martinsville. Okay. And you're going to go, and, and you know, if he wins, that just validates everything I've been saying all year long, right? <laughs> and that's why I'm picking him. <laughs> <laughs> so in the uh, in, in the Xfinity Series, Summer will pick Algar. Okay. And in the Cup Series, Summer will pick Brad Keselowski. And done, and uh, Justin, does Rachel have any picks? So I'm trying to get picks from her because uh, we got all of her Xfinity picks. For Cup, she will go chase. <laughs> for Cup, she will go chase Elliot. Um, for trucks, did we have anyone pick Enfinger? No. I almost want to take the first pick that she was going to go for because she originally sent <laughs> over Todd Gill and, and now she wants Enfinger. Um, but go ahead and give her Enfinger. I have a feeling Todd Gillen's going to do a lot better than Grant. Eesh. Um, and then, uh, Jerry, you said you took Harrison Burton for Xfinity, right? Yes, yes. Okay, she sent over that one, so I'm trying to get her Xfinity <laughs> one. But uh, we'll 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 uh, we'll go ahead and go on from there. So at least we have two of our three picks here on the podcast. So well, well, there you go. Well, that's gonna you know that's pretty much going to do it. I mean, it's TBD on the Xfinity. She's got until Saturday to to get it knocked out and get it to us, and we'll put that up on the uh, on on social media. Man, speaking of social media, I have to congratulate every one of you guys um, because. I didn't tell y'all about this, but the kick of the tires is located in Southeast Texas. As everybody knows, it's where I live. We have a press club here. It's called the press club of Southeast Texas. And earlier this year, I entered our stories, podcast, um, a column, uh, that was written by a third party individual, um, our social media. And we came away with lots of awards this past weekend. Uh, and one of those awards is very important to me. It means a lot because uh, it's something that everybody here participates in and is involved in uh, on some level or another. And that is first place in social media from a news outlet. And uh, congratulations, Justin, Seth, Zach, 
Rachel, Matt, Christian, uh, Sarah, everybody who's a part of this thing. Uh, you guys made this happen, and uh, it means a lot to me. Uh, I will go get the trophy, and we will have it for the show uh, next week. Who knows? I might even bring it with me to Phoenix. But uh, but we will definitely have uh, have it for next week, and uh, and I'll put it in the uh, put it behind me going forward, so that everybody knows that we uh, we are a first place uh, award winning show. We are also second place with the podcast. We were uh, we were the second place with uh, the overall Kick and Show podcast. So that is uh, that is also uh, uh, very cool because you guys make this happen every week, and I, I greatly appreciate it. So thank you very much to each of you guys. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. We so, just pretend like we know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I will say this. The, the judges actually said this is a NASCAR podcast catering to NASCAR fans, and it does an, an exceptional job of doing just that and reaching uh, what those fans are interested in. So, uh, you know, paraphrasing the judges there, uh, I was very happy to know that we get our point across and uh, you know, we do know what we're talking about. We've been around for a long time. Every one, every one of us has our own niche uh, in this sport and, uh, and the way that we cover it. So uh, it's great to have this team together and so glad that after Zach took two weeks off that we know for a fact that he will be back in 2022. I'll have your hard card for you. And uh, <laughs> I'll work on, uh, I'll work on a few others for, for the, for the rest of the staff if NASCAR allows it. And uh, man, thanks again. We appreciate everyone tuning into the Kicking Show. Be sure to check us out at kickingthetires.net and follow us on social media, all of our social media uh, outlets. And we will have, uh, you can find those on the website as well. Thanks a lot. We'll see you guys next week as we go into the finale at Phoenix.